Mai te kōpai ki te urupa, tātou a kōai. Tātou a kōai. From the cradle to the grave, we are always learning. Tēnā tātou katoa, nau mai anō ki te hōtaka nei a te ahi kā mō tēnei wiki. Ko Maraia Rakuraku ahau. Ko Justin Murray ahau, you're with Te Ahi Kā on Radio New Zealand National, our weekly show which looks at nā kaupapa Māori, Māori stories. What does Waitangi Day mean to you? A public holiday? Time to reflect on your position within our nation? Or focus on the divisions between us? We asked a few people. Uh, well, a multitude of things. Um, but I think for me, it's a time that I hope all of us in Aotearoa will be able to commemorate eventually with pride because it'll be a day that I think is where we recognise Te Treaty as our document, our founding document. Fano and the world have been keeping an eye out on the website Wakatapu, which tracks the journey of the two traditional waka, Nahiraka Maitafiti and Tiaurere, who embarked on their journey to Rapanui on August 18 last year. Jack Thatcher took some time out last week and spoke to Justine from Mordia about their trip and the overwhelming hospitality they've received so far. Oh, the people in, well, the people on all of our islands that we stopped at have been just so great. Uh, the Tonga at, uh, at Tubuai was the most extreme Manakitonga you can ever come to, to the, to the point where they were, they were competing with each other uh, in providing um, you know, food and, uh, and shelter and support. And uh, Mangareva was almost exactly the same. You know, we had um, beautiful, beautiful people there looking after us. Te Aika Radio New Zealand National. Every year, the Papatongarewa hosts annual debates where issues around Waitangi Day are raised and discussed. If you head to the main Radio New Zealand website, radionz.co.nz, tap in Waitangi Debates in the search bar and you can listen to archived recordings. This year, Moana Jackson and Matthew Palmer kicked off the first round discussions with the place the Treaty of Waitangi holds in current constitutional arrangements, which was co-chaired by Claudia Orange and our next guest, Carwin Jones. What does Waitangi Day mean to you? Well, Waitangi Day for me is uh, a time to sort of be reminded of the the relationship that, that our tipuna, both our, our Māori tipuna and our Pākehā ancestors uh, entered into and, and envisaged for us, and to think about the health of that relationship and think about what's been happening over the last 12 months in the political sphere and the legal sphere uh, and really check in to see if we're, we're moving towards the kind of relationship that was envisaged in 1840. Now, Cohen Jones, it's always portrayed as a day of conflict mm. and often you see that generated days before the actual mm. event. Why do you think that is? Well, I mean, I think there are still lots of issues that need to be worked through in this relationship, and, and, and that's what relationships are like, actually, is that they're constantly about um, working... They're a constant negotiation, if you like, of um, how we interact. And that's the same for constitutional relationships like, like the Treaty of Waitangi, establishes and and I think you know that's it's quite healthy that that we have an opportunity to focus our minds as a nation on 
on that relationship. Um, and you know, sure, sometimes the the discussion might tend to be characterised, particularly in, in some parts of the media, as as negative or divisive. But I think it's actually a sign of a reasonably self-aware, um, a reasonably self-aware nation that that we don't aren't just kind of mindlessly out waving our flags, but we're actually thinking about the issues that are involved in our nationhood. But the mindlessly waving the flags, I mean, that can be an action that's that's born out of frustration. Well, it, it, it can be. Um, yeah, and, and, you know, I certainly wouldn't want to um, dismiss the very symbolic and importance, uh, importance of of flags and symbols um, in, in that conversation. So, yeah, I, I mean, I don't mean to dismiss that, but uh, it's important too that that's built around that is our, some discussion and some political discourse. So if we still have the relationship that's, you know, reasonably fractured between Māori and Pākehā, I mean, should we really be heading down the track of... New Zealand becoming a republic of the constitutional talk that you've been hearing over the last 12 months? Well, I th- think the constitutional discussion is really important in working out some of these issues. And, uh, and it's really important partly because it can give us a sense of the kind of values and principles that we want to guide the way we resolve these disputes that come up from time to time, the way we resolve um, you know, difficulties that we come along in the road, uh, because we need to do that not in a, in a kind of knee-jerk uh, way, um, that's the kind of thing that we saw around the Forster and Seabed, and that was incredibly divisive, and it showed just how fragile uh, Māori rights are actually in our, in our legal and constitutional system. So it's really important, therefore, that, that, that we come to some consensus about the kind of values that we think ought to underpin our government and our legal and political system, and the kind of principles that ought to guide our decision-making through those processes. Aren't Māori going through a similar situation at the moment in terms of water? Well, exactly, yeah. So, so I mean, it would be really useful, actually, if we had a much clearer understanding right now of exactly uh, what Māori rights to water were um, and ha- how they can be recognised and ought to be recognised uh, within our legal system, and if they had some clear constitutional protection. I mean, that, that would be of a much more useful situation to be in now than trying to manage this process through litigation um, over what is what is a slightly uncertain issue. And if you add into that the kōrero that the Waitangi Tribunal is potentially under threat and that's the only real redress that iwi Māori have in terms of Treaty of Waitangi claims... I mean, doesn't that add yet another layer of injustice that's felt by Māori? Yes, well, certainly if, if Māori don't have anywhere to, to go with their concerns, to any, um, anywhere to go with claims based on the Treaty of Waitangi, anywhere to go to rec- have their rights recognised under the Treaty, uh, then that, 
that is that creates a very unstable kind of situation. And you know, lots of people have talked about the importance of the Waitangi Tribunal in providing a kind of constitutional avenue for Māori to bring their concerns and those kind of issues. The difficulty with with the Waitangi Tribunal, and if we're thinking in terms of the constitutional setup, is that it by and large doesn't make binding recommendations. So we're still left with a little bit of uncertainty as to how those principles which are elaborated and discussed by the tribunal, how they actually find their way into our law and policy. But the thing about the tribunal, Carwin, is what you've been talking about earlier, is that it actually starts a dialogue. And what we're having are recorded histories Mm. of what's occurred. Mm that's then archived for whomever to look at. Yeah, I mean, the Waitangi Tribunal has has built up quite an amazing resource, really, and, you know, one of the, the things um, that Matthew Palmer actually talked about at the uh, treaty debate was the, the way in which we actually have quite a good understanding of what principles of the treaty mean, and that's because the Waitangi Tribunal has been... Um, analysing what treaty principles mean and how they ought to apply in particular circumstances for a number of years. So not only do we have the the kind of um, important uh, historical stories being told, but we have this legal analysis too of, of what the treaty means and how it ought to apply. Now, in the corridor that uh, you facilitated between Moana Jackson and Matthew Palmer... Moana Jackson spoke about a rōpū that he was part of where there was Māori discussion of these issues. Yeah, so that, that rōpū is, is called uh, Aotearoa Mātika Mai or, or the Independent Constitutional Independent Working Group on Constitutional Transformation, I think, oh. is, is the other, <laughs> the other title. Uh, and I've also been involved with that rōpū and uh, it, it came out of a, a, um, a national hui at Hopu Hopu in late 2010 uh, and has since uh, built up a membership of uh, people who are representatives, some from iwi organisations, uh, some from uh, urban Māori organisations, uh, some who are academics, some who, who are work in iwi, runanga offices, all kinds of people from different parts of Māori community. And the idea is that this ropu, um, which is, is sort of chaired by Moana and uh, Margaret Mutu, uh, will seek feedback from Māori from all across the country uh, on constitutional issues and what Māori would like uh, to see in terms of constitutional transformation. What is a constitution? So a constitution, uh, just very simply, is is the basic values and the rules that people, uh, society chooses by which they govern themselves. But, I mean, don't we have that already going? Because we governed and... Yeah, you know, so, so for example, our, our current constitution sets up the institutions of parliament, uh, prime minister, uh, our, our cabinet, our, our um, queen at the apex... Uh, and also all the different mechanisms of the independent courts, 
uh, has basic principles and values built into it, like uh, the rule of law, uh, representative democracy, and those kinds of things. So, so that, that's uh, the kind of constitution which is based on the kind of Westminster parliamentary system, um, and, and is almost, almost in, in New Zealand's case, almost exclusively uh, transported from the, the British monarchy and that system transplanted transplanted here so one of the things that that uh, Mātike Mai is talking to Māori about is if we look at our own tikanga, if we look at our own uh, society and our own communities what are the kinds of values that we would like to underpin our law making our dispute resolution uh, the processes by which we govern ourselves and so, you know, some of the key principles in there might be, uh, if we're thinking about leadership and the accountability of leaders, then, then the concept of mana, I think, is a really important one that, that we should think about. How do we give expression to, to those kind of concepts and values in, in the, the practice of governing ourselves? Now, from what you're saying... It seems like Māori are a bit more along the track in terms of the conversation about the constitution than, say, maybe non-Māori. If I was to look at the crowd that were at the Te Papa Waitangi debates, yes. Well, I mean, I, th- I think I think that's almost certainly true. Um, and I, I heard Andrew Geddes, uh, the uh, professor at, at uh, Otago. Uh, university mentioned the same thing is that these are the kinds of discussions that actually Maori have been talking about for a long time, not just as part of this uh, Ropu um, Aotearoa Matake Mai and their conversations, but and I've been to some of the hui that uh, Moana has facilitated, and it, but it's really clear that these are not things that people who come along to those hui are, are just thinking about for the first time. These are the things that uh, people have been talking about and discussing either in the context of the Treaty of Waitangi or simply in the context of the frustration of being shut out of decision-making processes or not seeing our values reflected in our system of law and government. Carmen, is this a way of expressing a treaty relationship? Well, I think, I, I think certainly... The, the treaty relationship is a constitutional one. It is one which is about the exercise of public power and about how public power ought to be shared or decision-making in the operation of those institutions of law and government ought to be shared uh, between... But realistically, we know that actually isn't the case. Well, at the moment, we well, what we see at the moment is, yeah, we, we, we don't see a, a kind of... Uh, full realization of I think what the treaty set out what what the treaty talks about is we don 't see and this is one of the things that that um, comes out quite clearly in say the Waitangi tribunal 's report on y two six two that 's a floral yeah indigenous flora and fauna, but also intellectual property and traditional knowledge issues it, it really covered a whole range of law and policy, and one of the things that comes out quite clearly is that we, our, our institutions of law and government are almost exclusively um, Pākehā, and that, you know they are they are monolingual and monocultural in that in that sense. And if we are going to really take 
the, the partnership idea contained within the treaty seriously, then there needs to be some quite fundamental um, cultural shifts in government as well as uh, legal and constitutional shifts. Is there evidence of this in other countries, of this operating in other countries? Well, there are all kinds of um, different forms of, of constitutions which take different account of indigenous peoples. Uh, for example, the Canadian constitution has, has a constitutional protection for uh, Aboriginal rights, um, including their treaty rights. Uh, so there, there's that kind of option. Um, there are also constitutions which have it at their heart a kind of different set of values and you know a lot of people talk about uh, the Bolivian constitution which has which gives fundamental protections and fundamental rights actually to uh, to their version of Papa Tuanuka really um, and so that that has constitutional protection in the Bolivian constitution. Wow. Yeah so it's, it's I, I think it's really important that that we don't get stuck in, in thinking within the framework of our current constitutional arrangements because there are some really exciting uh, options and, and ways of uh, creative and imaginative ways of structuring our law and government and uh, I participated in a workshop, some of the young people that are going to be talking at the treaty debate this evening, well they've all actually participated in a constitutional workshop uh, which I was one of the facilitators of um, held in August of last year and one of the things that was really striking to me was that when we talked about constitutional values or the values that ought to underpin our constitution one thing that came through really strongly from from all of the participants there was a sense that there should be some kind of environmental ethic underpinning our constitution and in fact the the group of I think it was fifty young people, um, not not only Maori there were Maori there, but it wasn't it wasn't a Maori workshop. Um, but the, that group of fifty they chose to use the, the concept of kaitiakitanga to best express what they thought that value ought to look like in our constitution. And so was that overruling stuff around the treaty? So so what? Uh, what we were talking about there was the ideas of, you know, so if we think about our current constitution has some some basic values that are in it, like representative democracy, you might say, is part of it, uh, like a respect for uh, human rights and the dignity of the individual. And so at this workshop we talked about what kind of values should underpin a constitution, so not particular mechanisms, but just the values that that we thought were important to protect and reflect in the way we govern ourselves. So that's what a discussion would look like. You'd talk about the the principles and then the mechanisms of achieving those. Yeah, I think that's really important to talk about the values that un that you want to underpin your constitution first, uh, because and and a lot of people. Well, not a lot of people. Some people would say that, well, the Constitution's not about values. It's about these mechanisms and these institutions. Um, but I think that ignores the fact that, if, you know, if we look at our current constitutional arrangements, the mechanisms and the institutions that we have already reflect 
a set of values and assumptions. Um, the institution of Parliament and the way it's constructed uh, under a Westminster system is quite culturally loaded. Uh, and so I think it's important... By culturally loaded, you mean towards the English system? Yeah, well, because it's, it's, it is based... I mean, it, it virtually is identical to the English system, um, and which developed out of the particular social and historical circumstances um, to meet the needs uh, of, of that society. Now, th- there might well be a whole lot of good things about that institution that we want to keep hold of. And I think we do want to keep hold of representative democracy, for instance. Um, we do want to keep hold of um, you know, respect for the rights of every human being and the dignity of the human person. But again, if, if I think about the way those values were talked about at this workshop with, with um, these 50 uh, rangatahi, uh, was that they chose to talk about for example, the kind of idea of human rights, they felt that actually the term mana reflected the values that underpin human rights. And so that if, if, if we have a respect for each other's mana, then that is, that is the kind of key part of what human rights are about. And then we can think about, OK, how do we give practical effect to that? How do we make sure that people's rights are protected, that we do respect each other's mana? So it seems like there are already practices within te ao Māori, wordings tikana, mm. that is already used that could be easily transferred over into a constitution more reflective of this country. Mm. Well, I think that's right. And, and, you know, the thing about constitutional arrangements and the rules and values by which people govern themselves is that every society develops those to meet their own particular needs. So we, we know as, as Māori, we, we do have uh, particular ways of conducting ourselves, particular tikanga that we follow, the kawa of particular marae even, which uh, you might say are uh, the rules and practices that, that could form part of, of a constitution. But it's forever evolving too. Yes. And, and that, that, that's a really important point, that, that we... Um, when we talk about our tikanga, it's it's not fixed and fossilised somewhere in the past. It is constantly responding to uh, the the social and environmental circumstances and the challenges that we as Māori face. Uh, so so it, it's not to say that uh, a constitution that was based on tikanga Māori would look like Māori society... Um, you know, pre the arrival of of Pākehā, um, there've been lots and lots of changes uh, since then, and Tikanga Māori has adapted to meet those different changes. Ko ngāti kahununu te iwi, ko ngaite apatu te hapu, ko takitimu te marae, ko Cowan Jones tokuingoa. Kia ora, Cowan Jones, nō Ngāti Kahununu. Head to our website, radionz.co.nz forward slash te ahikā, for links to the debates that included a roundtable discussion with youth. Te ahikā, Radio New Zealand National. Te Rao Te Raukura is the name of the annual celebration hosted by Te Ati Awaki Pōneke, Wellington-based Te Ati Awa Iwi. 
which is taken from the Rokura, the white feather worn by Taranaki Whanui that symbolises peace. While all the focus tends to be on what's touted as the biggest party in Wellington, the Sevens, Te Arao Te Rokura is more a low-key, whānau-oriented affair. And this year, the lineup was solid as, with Sheifu, the Laughing Samoans, local arts and crafts. Well, you get the picture. And just a few days out from Waitangi Day, Justin did the rounds with punters about what it means to them. Kia ora, uh, ko huia Johnson Taku Ingoa, no kahingane, no ngā tiparau. Uh, from Te Ikaroa, that's your branch. Ai, ai. Ai, ko Ikaroa, te ro, uh, o tā mātou rōpū. Yes. Uh, uh, no katimata kei ahuriri. Okay, uh, Nelson. Ahuriri kei, oh, no, uh, kei Napier. Ai, ai. ai. Uh, can you move down to Wellington? Yeah. When did region. you move down? Oh, 2008. Oh, yes. So, oh. e Fanga Toki Mirida. 2004. 2004. So, Iwatiko, nine years ago. Ah. So, Huia, Waitangi Day, what does it mean to you? Uh, well, a multitude of things. Yes. Um, but I think for me, it's a time that I hope all of us in Aotearoa will be able to commemorate eventually with pride because it'll be a day that I think is where we recognise Te Tiriti as our document, our founding document um, and it will also be the day when all of, uh, all of us from this country recognise it as a day where we celebrate um, all the grievances have been laid to rest with uh, our iwi, iwi katoa. Yeah. Kia ora. Kia ora, thank you so much for that. <laughs> you're natural, you're natural. <laughs> Kia ora. Kia ora, tēnā koe. Tēnā koe. I'll just get you to introduce ko waikoe, nō hea koe. Oh, ko mere ropa te boxahau, um, ki te tau atoku mama hi Ngāpuhi, nō uh, te hoki anga whakapau karakia. Te tau atoku pāpa, nō otaki ahau, uh, nā te huia, me te atiawa, me nā te tōra. Um, rangatira hoki. Kia ora, kia ora. Anei te pātai, what does it mean to you? Oh, kia ora, kia ora, kia ora, kia Ai, kia ora, mm. kia ora. Kuena. 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 Mama noiho. <laughs> My name's Raymond, Raymond Pietty. Um, and of course, I'm from Wanganui. <laughs> all, all the way here in, um, in the lower heart. <laughs> and of course, I'm Ngapai Rangi. Ngapai, kia ora. Um, so, Raymond, Waitangi Day, what does it mean to you? Waitangi Day, um, um, besides the fact being reflective of um, of a declaration that happened. Um, now, for me, in these particular days, Waitangi is about um, um, the, the reaffirmation of um, that treatment, of that, that particular um, treaty between um, two iwi, of course, the Crown and Māori. Um, and it's um, developed into something even more, I, I believe, um, where 
we have a diverse community now, and it's about getting together, sharing our our um, bicultural differences, and sharing that with at a multi-level, a multicultural um, kind of like field, I suppose. Yeah. Mm. So, so is there a particular way that, that you commemorate it, that you celebrate it? Is it just a day off? Oh no, I think it's more than it's just a day off. I think it's a day where people get tend to reflect. And, and, and again, they probably post, them, post that same question to themselves. What does Waitangi mean to them? Yet some will say it's a day where, yeah, wow, I get a day off. But um, for those who, um, of course, are born to this particular country, it's a lot more. It's about um, seeing a gap um, closing within our communities and within our multicultural communities as well. Um, quite different for those who live on the Marae, born, raised up in there. And of course you've got, um, um, of course, rural Māori that, that is. And then you've got all the urbanites that are, grew up in big towns and um, in the concrete jungle. So it means it means different things to different people. Yeah. Now Raymond, you have a huge TWOR on your t-shirt. Yeah. I'm, I'm uh, assuming it's... Te Wānanga o Raukawa. Yes. What, what, what do you do there? Um, I'm a part of the real department there. I help develop the real programs. I also teach um, the real as well. What does Waitangi Day mean to you? Oh, no, yeah, it's great. Waitangi's great. It's great to see it in that. I actually, I come up here, I've been coming here for 13 14 years now, I think it is, and I've always done the Mariah in Upper Hutt, which is a, a Rongamai. Yeah, Rongamai, yeah, yep. Yeah, I do that Mariah every Waitangi weekend. I, ca- I can't do another Mariah because I committed myself to them. Yeah. I can't even do my own people back in the South Island. Yes. Yeah. You mean in the sense that you go to Rongamai and provide ponamu? Yes, yeah, some Mariahs I do up north here, different Mariahs, I supply them with ponamu. What's the biggest slab of ponamu that you've ever found? Well, my biggest piece probably I've ever found, and that might have been about three or four ton, and that. But I have seen a mountain of ponamu, a bigger hill full of ponamu. Than that, I cannot release to let anybody know. Of course, because uh, <laughs> we just hope it still stays here <laughs> forever. Okay, so to get there, Ken Tainui, thank you. Thank you, dear. Waitangi Day. What does it mean to you? Um, it means the sharing of, of us all coming together and actually I, I get mixed feelings because I see what's going on up at Waitangi and, and it always saddens me that it's been used as a political football as to who's escorting who's on or something like that and it never puts Napui in a, in a nice light but a lot of people go up there and take the opportunity to use it as a protest stand or something like that because they know the dignities are going to be there but Every year we get involved down here in Pornaki and um, this year we got our kapahaka again doing sausage sizzles and hangian performances and what have you and that. So yeah, we just love it and it's a good chance for everyone to share in our national day. Kia ora Justine, add te rao te with a few of the peeps gathered at Te Whitsi Park last Sunday. This is Te Ahikau on Radio New Zealand National. To get in touch, there's Facebook or you can email us at teahikaa@radioNZ.co.nz. To listen to today's show or previous shows, you can find the podcast at radioNZ.co.nz forward slash teahikaa. I'm Justine Murray. And I'm Mariah Rakuraku.
Who are you seeing off? I'm seeing my sister off. How are you feeling? Feeling like him meeting a bit of Cody at the moment. So she's on Nahidakani. Hi. So is it crude by all waking you? Um, no, I think there's three wahine um, um, on that one guy. Tough, eh? I reckon. I don't know if I'd be able to do it. I tried, but I didn't. That was Mariah with the Fano standing at Auckland's viaduct last year on August 18 when the crew boarded Nahiraka Mai Tawhiti and Tiaurere and departed for Rapa Nui. Ida, it was pretty emotional and this is how amazing technology is. Since that departure from Auckland, Fano and anyone else actually, has been able to track the waka throughout the various legs of the voyage. And as can be expected with such an epic journey, there are ups and downs. Where are you at right now? So right now, um, our two waka, Teodede uh, and Nahiraka, are sitting in in uh, Cook's Bay, I think it is, on in Pao Pao, is the name of, uh, of the bay, on Moria, in the Society Islands. Uh, we arrived in, uh, in Tahiti yesterday and uh, sailed to Moria this morning uh, for our official welcome into the Society Islands. We were welcomed by uh, the Tangata Whenua of Moria, and uh, we were accompanied by the um, Tahitian Waka uh, uh from Tahiti to Moria, and... Uh, and it was a lovely um, arrival, and uh, we were greeted by the children uh, of the uh, of the school um, in, uh, in the in Paupau. So uh, yeah, we had a really lovely time uh, this morning, uh, being greeted by uh, the family. Now, Jack, on December the the sixth, I think our time, you arrived in Rapa Nui, a ten thousand nautical mile journey. Tell us about that experience, if you can. Okay. Uh, well, uh, the, um, we're only about just under 8,000 miles into our voyage. We've still got another 3,000 to go. Right, yes. It's going to be slightly over over 10,000. Uh, well, to be absolutely honest, the, um, our first leg from Aotearoa to Tuluai wasn't that much fun. <laughs> really? Uh, but it was, it was um, very difficult, yes. um, extreme conditions. Uh, but we, we, we got to Tuboi after 43 days uh, at sea. And uh, the great thing about it, though, was that it gelled our crew into a very efficient uh, bunch of um, mariners. So, yeah, uh, on the one hand, it might have been hard work, uh, but it created a, a tight bunch of people that were able to work together uh, to complete, I suppose, the waka tapu side of the voyage uh, by arriving in, uh, uh, in Rapa Nui. Uh, early in December. Now the uh, the next the, the two legs, the one from Tuwai uh, to Mangareva, and the one from Mangareva to Papua Nui, were easy in comparison to our voyage from Aotearoa. Uh, but you would um, expect that uh, the Southern Ocean um, doesn't hold any prisoners. So, uh, but the tropics can be a lovely place to be sailing in, and um, and we just happened to pick the right time, and I suppose pick the right corridors or weather. Uh, to arrive at our destinations um, reasonably quickly. Not as quickly as we wanted. The weather that we got was very light, uh, so it was slow going. But all in all, um, you know, a, a very uh, a happier, I suppose, uh, trip compared to um, 
to the 43 days from Aotearoa to Tuboi. Can you describe any of those um, those real hard, hard times, Jack? When, when we were sailing, we, we, um, we didn't let everybody know about some of the hardships that we were going through. We didn't want people worrying too much. Hmm. Uh, <clears throat> the first thing that happened was we, um, we uh, one of our waka broke its steering blade, uh, and then they broke their spear. And they just happened to be carrying our spear from, uh, from uh, Ngahiraka, and, um, and that one was broken as well. So three paddles were broken uh, in a short period of time. The guys uh, on uh, Te there that had to do, the, um, I suppose, the, the mending of those paddles did a brilliant, brilliant job of, um, of utilising the, the, the little resource they, ha- they had in terms of timber to, uh, to create paddles that would hold together long enough for us to arrive in Tuboi. So you can imagine... Um, within the first week, breaking the first pedal, and in the second week, two more pedals being broken out of a six-week um, voyage. That um, a, a seven-week voyage, actually. So five weeks of that was um, sailing slowly mm. uh, because of that. But I think you know the, the seamanship shown by those guys was outstanding. Uh, being able to uh, to basically sail for five weeks in some extreme conditions, yes. keeping a uh, put-together pedal. Uh, and keeping it safe and keeping the rocker safe, uh, they did a brilliant, brilliant job. And uh, Stanley Conrad, who was a skipper, and Kiharo Nuku, who was his uh, 2IC, uh, they led uh, their rocker um, extremely well. So, you know, um, that was that was one thing. So, Jack, on December 6th, when you finally finally reached Nui, obviously there was a lot of, um, you know, joy, really, with the whānau back here in Aotearoa. Uh, what were the people like in Nui? Oh, the people and well, the people on all of our islands that we stopped at have been just so great. Uh, the Manakitanga at at, uh, at Tubuai was the most extreme Manakitanga you can ever come to, to the, to the point where they were, they were competing with each other uh, in providing um, you know food and uh, and shelter and support. And uh, Mangareva was almost exactly the same. You know, we had. Um, Beautiful, beautiful people there looking after us, and I uh, can say that most of the crew came away with um, with some a lot of friendships and and uh, quite a number of black pearls. Uh, mm-hmm. So yeah, so it was pretty nice. And then um, to arrive in Rapa Nui to such an awesome pohiri uh, at, at a place called Hangarau, uh, Hangapiko. Uh, sorry, not Hangapiko, um, Anakema, and uh, and seeing. Um, the joy that the people had in being able to show us, um, I suppose, their greatest honour, which was by putting eyes in the um, in the moai at um, at Anakina. It's something yes. that, uh, that is, is not normally done, and they did that for us. And, uh, and I can say we were truly humbled by by that. And uh, those those people from there, they the Manaki Tanga again was just uh, it was just great you know, yes. took us into their homes gave us everything we wanted they and uh, yeah it was just um, I'm just speechless really you know in terms of uh, of how to explain just how wonderful those people are and uh, and of course the ones that were looking after us some of them arrived in uh, Tahiti to greet us uh, when we came here so on each of the islands that we stopped off there were representatives from each of those islands including the governor 
of the Oslo Islands, um, uh, Ingrid. Uh, um, she came and, uh, uh, and saw us in yesterday and uh, into Tahiti. And, uh, and of course, we met um, the Premier yesterday uh, as well and had uh, dinner with him. So, yes, it's just been uh, an amazing time. And, um, and of course, we've just finished a, a huge lunch. Yes. A huge umu, uh, after our pohiri. So, uh, <laughs> it's just, uh, you know, it's hard to describe just how, how, uh, how much our people, because they are our people too, uh, appreciate, I suppose, you know, um, their phenomenon with us. Mm. Now, Jack, um, social media and the ability to access it for whānau back here has been great. Um, I want to alert you to one particular Facebook status update. This is, um, it says, Kia ora whānau. We've been making pretty good progress this week. We are hoping to get to Moria by Friday. Um, I'm sure oh, those plans have slightly changed due to Cyclone Gary, which is currently heading towards Tahiti. I'm sure many of you have been watching the development of Gary, but there's no need to worry. We're going to hang north of the Tuamotu, is well out of its way until it passes southeasterly. Other than that, the crew are in good spirits, over and out, Jacko. How how great has it been to constantly update Fano, Jack? Uh, well, it's it's um, it, it hasn't been easy, but, uh, you know, we've, we've been keeping in constant uh, contact with our land crew, uh, and um, and we, we send those updates, um, not all the time, but, uh, but when we can get, uh, I suppose, good communications. We have a sat phone on board, so... Um, uh, so it is uh, easy enough to, to ring through, but sometimes the sad phones can be a pain because they're cut out at the wrong time. Okay, yeah, I uh, bet. Uh, the updates, uh, we try, and, we try and, and keep those going to, um, so that the whanau aren't too worried about us. Yeah. And uh, we, were, we weren't in any danger uh, with the strategy that we had of going north of the Tuamutu. Uh, we knew the flight plan of, the, of, of Cyclone Gary, so... Uh, uh, it didn't take much uh, for us to decide to, to head a little bit more north, uh, up towards uh, the Marquesas. Our sail plan was to sail um, just south of um, of an island called Fatuhiva, and then go across and then and then come through the Tuamotu Islands at a, uh, between uh, these two um, atolls, uh, Rangirua mm-hmm. and uh, Arutua. And uh, we did that in the end. But not before um, thinking that we could make a little diversion <laughs> down, and then uh, my uh, my trainer and teacher in Hawaii suggested that, uh, or you probably uh, uh, will need to stay north of the Tuamotus just another day or two uh, before heading in. So I had to turn around and head a bit more north. Hey, Jake, just remind us how many people on each waka. Uh, there were ten on each waka, and um, we had. Uh, Rapa Nui Tangata on both waka. Uh, a young man called Io Kanko uh, with um, Teodere, and we had a young woman, um, Serafina, oh, sorry, I forget her last name, um, and she sailed uh, um, with us, and both of them uh, uh, were great. So when you're out in the wide open ocean, um, obviously that's probably like, you know, the best scene ever, but, you know, has, has things been hard, like um, privacy, Food, all that sort of thing, coping on board the Tuwaka? Well, privacy is an issue, I suppose. <laughs> you, don't, you, you don't tend to uh, um, to worry too much about it. Uh, if people are getting changed, you know, you just you don't go steering at them or anything like that. Uh, 
and we do have we do have curtains around our toilets and shower areas. So uh, so um, you know, there's uh, it's um, yeah yeah. You, you just don't think about it. I yeah, suppose. yeah. That's and what's, way of looking at it, so. what's the physical yeah. transformation been like, Jack, for you and and your crew? Brown, well, Pungal. I just got accused. I, I uh, <laughs> blooded in two new skippers, yes. uh, Kiharoa Nuku and Mahara uh, Nicholas. Both of those two uh, did gentry uh, jobs on on uh, skippering both Waka here to Tahiti from Rapanui. And uh, I sailed with uh, Mahara on Ngahiraka and um, demoted myself down to chef. <laughs> <laughs> And I got accused of uh, of feeding them too much because uh, everyone was saying they look a little bit tubbier than when we left uh, Rapanui. <laughs> I can't figure that part out because we got fed so well on Rapanui, I don't believe it. It was fun. Uh, I mean, you know, uh, the privacy issues aside, um, I think we all had pretty much a lot of fun uh, on this last week. Yeah, what a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity, man. Um, in a few days, Jack, back home, obviously, it's Waitangi Day. How will the crew be spending it? Well, um, we've uh, had some um, good news about one of our crew members, uh, Johnson Tumai Tautunua. Uh He's been nominated as um, for the TV New Zealand Awards uh, as Rangatahi um, of the Year. So he's been oh. nominated, so, uh, and those awards are on um, Waitangi Day, so we want to get him back for that, and if I can get back in time, I might see if I can get a ticket to go along and support him. So. Yeah. And um, I suppose you're missing the whānau, eh, Jack? What's the, what's the things that you're missing? <laughs> well, I'm not missing my wife. She's standing right here next to me. <laughs> Kia ora, <laughs> Afina. I am missing my daughters. I am missing my daughters. I miss my daughters a lot. What, 3,000 miles to go, eh, Jack? Uh, yeah, about about that, uh, in the directions that we're travelling to. We, we've, um, we've got a few islands left to visit. Yes. Um... We're, uh, when we leave uh, Moria, we sail back to, uh, to Tahiti, and uh, our official uh, Puruaki from uh, Tahiti is going to be at a place called Tautira. Um, and uh, that has history for both uh, Te Audere and for our Hawaiian whanau. Um, they always go to Tautira to leave from there. We had a friend of ours, uh, Pūneho, He's um, he was a waka builder from there. Uh, he passed away just before our voyage in 1995. So uh, we tend to like to go there to pay our respects to him and his family uh, before um, leaving. And then when we leave from Tokyo, we go to Huahine, spend the night there um, and preparing to go to uh, Raiatea, where we'll um, be welcomed on to uh, Tabu Tabu Atea. Uh, and then from Tabu Tabu Atea, we go to an island called Taha, uh, which is in the same lagoon. Um and then from Taha, we go to Mopiti. And Mopiti, we got invited to Mopiti by uh, uh, by uh, the Ariki that, uh, of that island. And um, so uh, we told them if we could get the chance to do it, that we would stop there. So we'll be, we'll be stopping um, on our way to Rarotunga. So Mopiti is the last stop before Rarotunga. And uh, we're hoping to be in Rarotunga by uh, the first week in April. Nice. Uh, because we, we want to be sailing down to Aotearoa uh, after the cyclone season. So the cyclone season ends at the end of March. Kia ora, Jack Thatcher, recorded on January the 31st from Moria. So just think the crew are now back in Aotearoa? 
They are. So over the past week or so, the crew have flown back home for some well-deserved rest and relaxation as it's cyclone season in Te Moana Kiwa. Uh, Jack Thatcher heads home tomorrow, Monday, and then in March they'll fly back to Moria Tahiti to sail back to Aotearoa. And on that return journey, they'll sail to Huehine, Muraiatea, gee, I've never heard of these places, Taha'a, sorry about the pronunciation, Bora Bora Mupiti, then to Rarotonga and home during April. Anita uh, Raymond Pietzi with this week's Fakatoki. Hi Fakatoki Tina no Tikanga no Wanganui. Mai Tiko Paki Terupa Tato Ako Ai Tato Ako Ai. What simply means from the cradle to the grain, um, there's a lot of learning that occurs. Māori designed clothes and shoes are popping up everywhere, but the question is, what is Māori designed clothing? Something with a kōru on it or something designed by Māori? That discussion is next week. Also, the most tapu of subjects, mm. the vagina. Wahine Māori are taking on Eve Ensler's vagina monologues. And I check out Skin Choir, an Indigenous group of artists who base themselves in Melbourne, Australia. Ko tai ki te kapina o te wahanga nei, he mihi ki nga kai rā wiki wiki mihini. Atu i tērā ki nga kai kōrero i tēnei wiki nga mihi. Hoki mai hei tērā rā tapu, mai te whānau atiahi kā kia tātou katoa, Mauri ora!